Hello, and welcome to Music Therapy and Beyond. I'm Elizabeth, and today we will be talking about interoception, our body's eighth sense. We're so excited to learn about this important topic with you, so let's get started. Over the years, more and more senses have been added to the proverbial five of visual, auditory, tactile, gustatory, and olfactory to include vestibular, proprioception, and introception. Introception is where we will focus our attention today. So what is introception? It is the internal sensory feedback our brains receive from our bodies. It is the sense that helps us feel what is going on inside our bodies. Interoceptive signals allow you to feel sensations, including thirst, hunger, body temperature, heart rate, fatigue, nausea, and sexual arousal. The insular cortex of our brain is responsible for our interoceptive awareness which is deep in the cerebral cortex within the lateral sulcus, separating the temporal lobe from the parietal and frontal lobes. The insula is known to play a vital role in self-awareness, perception, and cognition. These signals can come from our organs, including our skin, hormones, and even our immune system. We need both an awareness of these interoceptive signals, as well as a way to describe them, in order to interpret and respond to them. What makes interoception unique as a sense is that all the messages come from an internal source rather than our environment. When we're interpreting input from the environment, we call this extraception. A good example of interoception is how researchers have been gauging interoceptive abilities. By measuring whether or not a participant can detect an external heartbeat, or whether or not they can feel and match their own heartbeat, they have deduced the amount of interoceptive awareness someone might have. These are two types of input, one external and one internal. Most of the time, the extraceptive input remains intact, but the interoceptive input can be somewhat muted. Why does interoception matter to us as humans? Our body's goal is to keep us in homeostasis, so we need our interoceptors to achieve and maintain that state. If we ignore the messages our interoceptors are sending, then we fail to adapt to meet our body's needs, and as a result, we may become overstimulated, overheated, hangry, and a variety of other things. Because interoception is so complex, we won't be able to be as comprehensive as we would like today. But we do hope you learn a little something and get really curious about it, because it truly is fascinating. There are two important processes for us to distinguish between as we explore interoception. The first is allostasis, or the process of achieving internal stability. The second is homeostasis, or the process of maintaining internal stability. 
The main difference here is that homeostasis does not adjust to in-the-moment changes. It's trying to keep us at what it maybe considers our baseline, whereas allostasis has been recently recognized as possibly more pertinent because it adapts to a state that is optimal for the needs of the moment. While achieving our resting state is important, what we actually want and need our body to do is to adjust in the moment and to meet the needs of the moment. A good example of this is blood pressure. It wouldn't be healthy or optimal for our bodies to have the same blood pressure at all times. When we're exercising versus when we're resting, it should look different. This is why allostasis is important. With these two processes constantly at work in our bodies, you can begin to understand why interoception would be so important. There are three main functions that interoception serves, including emotional awareness, self-regulation, and mental health. Depending on what disability, medical condition, or neurodegenerative disorder you may have, as well as what trauma you've experienced, your interoceptive sense may be functioning differently. Additionally, our clients likely have difficulty interpreting what these cues mean. If you think about how your body feels when you're excited or scared, for example, it might be difficult for your client to know how to respond to these interoceptive signals. To give us some context, let's look at a few population-specific examples of interoceptive differences. When we talk about interoceptive differences as they occur in autistic individuals, there are two main ways the interoceptors may work. When someone is hypo-reactive to sensory stimuli, the interoceptive signals might be muted or hard to read. When someone is hyperreactive in response to sensory stimuli, they may be receiving intense and even overwhelming interoceptive signals. There's also a complicating factor here called alexithemia, which is characterized by difficulties in recognizing emotions from internal bodily sensations. Up to 50% of autistic individuals have alexithemia. As you can imagine, if your interoceptive sense is atypical, even the simplest of tasks could be challenging. You may not sense that you need to go to the bathroom or that you're wearing too warm of clothes for the weather. This is one of the reasons why self-regulation skills take time to develop for autistic individuals. And really for all of us, if we think about it, it's hard to learn self-regulation, isn't it? Another population that has a typical interoceptive awareness is individuals with frontotemporal dementia, Parkinson's disease, and a few other neurodegenerative disorders. Emerging work and research has begun to recognize the interaction between interoception, social cognition, and emotion, especially as it relates to these individuals and individuals with a specific variant, the behavioral variant of frontotemporal dementia, which accounts for a very large percentage of frontotemporal dementia and is characterized by a progressive deterioration of behavior and social cognition. Meta-analyses revealed through MRIs that there is a consistent co-activation across emotion, cognition, and social constructs of the brain. Most of the participants had deficits in these domains. Abnormal emotional suppression can also be present in these individuals. 
and caregivers have reported changes in thermoception, or someone's ability to sense the temperature, and their pain perception. For music therapists working with these types of individuals, it could be helpful to consider the potential impairments in interoception, pain perception, and thermoception when attempting to provide sensory regulation to their clients. We could talk about so many types of clients here, but instead, we will end by discussing interoception as it relates to individuals with histories of trauma, which can encompass a variety of populations and diagnoses. We know that there can be many types of disruptions to physiological processes for individuals who have experienced trauma. Trauma disrupts the interoceptive experience and makes it difficult to take care of ourselves. For example, if you are dissociating, you are probably missing your body's signals, making it difficult to regulate and to connect to your body. If you're in a state of hypervigilance, then your interoceptive signals might be intense or overwhelming. Going back to this idea of allostasis, when our allostatic load is too high, we secrete additional stress hormones, and we know that's harmful for our body long term. Here are a few things to consider as you work with someone who has experienced trauma in your initial session work. I'd like to credit Kelly Mahler here. She is an occupational therapist with some fabulous videos on YouTube on this topic. So if you're curious, look her up. First, we want to focus on promoting feelings of safety, thinking about our environment, structuring our session, what might they need to feel safe. And then we can start promoting a mind-body connection. We certainly can't interpret interoceptive signals if we're not connected to our body. And as music therapists, we know how to do this work. Third, we need to find meaningful activities and strategies that continue to promote those feelings of safety and regulation for our clients. And as we go through this process, we can really start to help them recognize those interoceptive signals, how to interpret them, and how to respond to them. In addition to understanding how interoceptive abilities might affect our clients, we would be wise to consider how our own interoceptors are functioning as music therapists. If we ignore our body's signals, or if our interoceptors are hypersensitive, we may struggle to regulate ourselves, and as a result, we may struggle to live healthy lives as helpers. Take some time this week to notice your body's signals. Notice how connected you do or do not feel to your body. If something's off, take some time to care for yourself, get curious, and reach out for counseling or support if needed. I don't know about you, but my brain is full of even more questions and a lot of curiosity to learn even more about interoception. What an impact it must have on so many of the clients we work with. I hope you are inspired to continue learning more, and I hope to bring you more information on this topic in the future. Until next time. For show notes and resources in today's episode and all episodes, head to our website, musictherapyandbeyond.com. Reach out to us at musictherapyandbeyond at gmail.com and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all the content and announcements. We'll see you next time.